Well, let's go ahead and uh, get ready to just get the word this morning. You guys ready for the word this morning? Hallelujah. We're going to go ahead and continue on this morning in our series of who we are as a church, the culture of Living Hope Family Church. And today, I want to talk to you about being generous. And uh, the good news is, is we won't do another offering after this message. The first one was enough. But uh, the reality is, is that being generous is an important character trait for a Christian. Matter of fact, it's one of our defining character traits. Because like we talked about last week about being family, that uh, showing love is part of being a Christian. And, and part of showing love is being generous. Amen? And the thing about being generous is that if you are generous, that means that you are a giver. Those two go hand in hand. Giving is the expression of being generous. And I'm not just referring to the tithe or to offerings. That's what most people think, especially in a church when you start talking about giving and being generous. Oh, it's always talking about money. Churches just want money. And uh, unfortunately, there's, there's been enough churches that have uh, taken advantage of people that that's why people get that stuck in their head. They, one church that does the wrong thing becomes the, the idea of what churches are in people's head, even though thousands of churches across the country are being obedient and, and being good stewards with what God has given them. But the reality is, is that we're not just supposed to be generous with our money. We should actually be generous with everything that we have, with our all of our possessions, with our love. We should be generous with compassion. We should be generous with mercy. And I think, truthfully, the thing that we should be the most generous with and probably the most difficult thing to be generous is with your time. Because the reality is, is we can stand up here and, and ask for offerings, and the truth is, is mon- to give money is easy. You can always get more money. You can't always get more time. So when we're generous with our time, and that means serving in the church, but it also means being generous with our time with one another, it's important. And the reality is, is that each and every one of us is made in the image of God. And if God is generous, that means we're to be generous. To be made in the image of God is to have the characteristics that he has, and that's one of them, to be generous. That's the way we're designed. That's what we're supposed to do. That's why that when people are stingy, they're not actually happy. They're not designed to work that way. I think I've talked about it probably the last couple of messages, but the quote that keeps popping in my head is, uh, is I heard this guy say that, that, you know, they always say that money can't buy happiness, but that's not true. He said the thing is you have to give it away. When you give it away, it actually brings you joy because you're actually operating the way that God designed you to operate, to be generous. People who give are full of joy because, man, is it awesome to be able to give to people. But one of the things we do have to address when we talk about being generous is money. Because here's the thing. Jesus talked about money more than he did heaven and hell combined. Jesus talked about money more than he talked about love. Jesus talked about money more than anything else except the kingdom of God. One out of every 39, one of, uh, or most of the parables talk about money. And one out of every seven verses in the Gospel of Luke talk about money. One out of every seven in the Gospel of Luke talks about money. Why do you suppose that is? Maybe because it's important to God. When he talks about something a lot, it's important. For a couple of reasons. One, because if he doesn't deal with it, money 
tends to be one of those things that starts to take control in our lives. And here's the reality is that God doesn't need your money. The church, me, I don't need your money. Giving and being generous is actually all about you. It's about what it does for you. One, like I said, it's about operating in the way that God designed you, and it can bring you joy to give because you're actually acting in his image. It's also one of the ways that, that, that God actually blesses us is when we give. And I've experienced in my own life that when I give, God just keeps giving me more to give. But it's when we hold on to stuff that all of a sudden nothing more starts coming in because we're not designed to be stingy. We're designed to be generous, amen? Acts 4, 32 through 35 says this, Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. And there was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold, and they laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each one as any had need. You know, one of the things that gets me thinking about when I read the scripture, the thing that stands out the most to me is these people are different now. They're not like what they used to be. They got saved, they got born again, they were made brand new, the old was gone, new has come, the dead man, the old dead man was put away, they were putting on the new self, and they're not the same as they used to be. Because here's the thing, the attitude of the world is one of selfishness and self-preservation, but their attitude is completely different. They're not being selfish, they're selling everything that they have to give to the apostles to make sure that everybody had enough. They were beginning to look like Jesus and how they lived their life. You see, because God is generous. I don't know if you guys recognize this, but God is pretty generous. And you don't even have to look. I'm not talking about the little stuff in your life. Like God provides for you. He provides for me. All that stuff is God being generous. But that's just minor compared to how he was with his son. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life, eternal life. How generous do you have to be to give up everything for people that most of them aren't even going to like you? They're going to reject you. 1 John 3.1, it says, see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God and so we are. That's how generous God is, as he gives everything to us. And these people recognize that. They weren't who they used to be. You know what? God gave me everything. I'm going to give everything as well. Our initial instinct is to keep everything for ourselves. That's actually how we're raised from day one. You get on the internet, particularly now, you got to look out for number one, look out for yourself. If you don't love yourself first, how are you going to love someone? Everything is about me, me, me. Focus on yourself, focus on your own life, focus on what you're doing. And we wonder why everybody's so screwed up right now. The world's falling apart. It's because so many people are focused on themselves instead of somebody else. When we're not born again in our brokenness, before Jesus, we're selfish, and that's all there is to it. Now, the good news is, is that when you read this story in the New Testament, 
this isn't common. This, this sell everything and give it to the apostles is not common. This is not the instruction for all the churches, and I won't be knocking on your door later asking for the deed to your house. But it does demonstrate a people who are changed and a people who think differently because they recognize what God had done for them. Before Jesus, they were selfish, but after Jesus, they were selfless. And the reality is, is that's actually sin's power over us, is that sin keeps us looking at ourselves instead of looking at the one who forgave all of our sins. That's why when we did communion this morning, I always remind people, don't sit there and focus on your sins and your failures. I grew up in churches, that's what I was always told. When we're getting ready for communion, you know, you really got to think of all the things that you've done bad and ask God for forgiveness, so that way you could be right with God before you did communion. You had to get yourself right with God before you did communion, which is silly because if we could get ourselves right with God, we wouldn't need Jesus. (laughs) But the other problem with that is, is... We're sitting down to do communion. Why are we supposed to do communion? It's in remembrance of him. So why are we going to spend the entire time remembering our sins and our failures? That's one of sin's greatest power over you because have you ever done something you knew was wrong and you keep focusing on the failure? You don't get better. You just get worse. You just feel worse. It becomes a focus and then it's in your mind and you're reminded of it. And then all of a sudden it snowballs into you just doing it again because you can't get it out of your head. The goal is not to focus on sin. It's to focus on him. That sin's power is keeping us looking at ourselves. But these people were different. They weren't looking at themselves anymore. They were looking at the people around them. And they were being generous just like God was himself. Matthew 6, 24 says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. One of the questions that we might ask yourself is, why is generosity so important to God? Does he need our money? We all know that he doesn't. The truth is, is that the Bible says God owns the cattle on top of a thousand hills. That means that God has infinite resources. He doesn't need our resources. He doesn't need our stuff. If God wants this church to stick around, everybody in this room could stop giving and God would find a way to make it stick around. The thing is, the things that we're unwilling to give up have control over us. And anything that you put before God ultimately will be a disappointment to you. That's the thing, is all these things we hold up before God ultimately will someday disappoint us. All the people that we hold up before God, they will disappoint us. And it's anything that we put in front of God will ultimately be unsatisfying, unfulfilling, and will disappoint us. Wives that put their husbands first, they're going to be disappointed. All you ladies smiling out there, guess what? Husbands that put their wives first, they're going to be disappointed too. If your job comes first in your life, you're going to be disappointed. I know that from personal experience when Michelle and I first got together. I thought that being a good husband and a good father was providing for my family. So that was my entire focus was work. I worked a lot. I made decent money. We were still stupid with money, so we never got ahead. But I worked a lot. I thought I was doing the right thing. And, and, and I was putting my job in front of everything. And what ended up happening was my marriage began to fall apart and, and, and we were this close to being divorced. And I didn't know I was oblivious. I was just focused on my job. 
turns out that if you, you, you know, you need to put God first, but then focus on your spouse, <laughs> that there is an order of things. And if you want to know the order, it looks like this, God, your spouse, and then your kids. People that put their kids above their spouse, they end up having terrible relationships. It breaks a relationship. And you want to know what happens? You say, well, I, I want to make sure everything's good for my kids. Well, if you don't have a strong marriage, then your kid's life is going to be a mess as well. So you put God first, then your spouse, and then your kids. But the problem is if we put anything else in front of God, whether it be God or our spouse, our kids, we're going to be disappointed. Matthew 6, 34 says, uh, it says, Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. If you go all the way back to verse 25 there in Mark, uh, Matthew 6, it says, don't be anxious about life. And then it ends there, don't be anxious about tomorrow. The thing is, is if we put God first, all that other stuff we're worried about gets taken care of. All these things get added to us. We're not supposed to put anything but God first. If you don't want to be disappointed, put God first. The rest will fall in line, Amen. In 1 Timothy 6, 18 through 19, it says, They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up for themselves as a good foundation for the future so they may take hold of that which is truly life. So if we realize that serving money or serving ourselves or serving something else above God is the wrong way, how do we go about doing the right thing? And that's one of the things that's so important is this is Paul speaking to Timothy. And he's saying, Timothy, this is what you need to teach your congregation. So the first thing that we need to do if we want to get better in this area is start teaching these things. We have to teach it. It's one of the areas actually for me, and it's getting easier over time, but to teach about is giving and being generous because there is the stigma that churches and pastors, they just want your money. And the, you know, here it's really easy for me to deal with because I, I haven't had a, a salary from this church in the 10 years that we've been going, almost 10 years, and hopefully someday. But I'm certainly not here for the money. Um, but it's still this idea, this attitude, this prevailing, you know, uh, the way people think about churches. So it's hard to talk about. I don't ever want people to think that I'm just after your money. But the thing is, is we still have to teach this stuff. And one of the things uh, my pastor said to me that helped us, he says, I said, man, it's so, it's so awkward to teach about this stuff. And he says, well, why are you doing it? Are you doing it to get something for you or are you doing it for their benefit? And well, pastors, for their benefit. Well, then teach it. We have to teach it. The truth is, though, is that when we start talking about money, we all get uncomfortable. And this goes with any of our life. I think one of the, the greatest detriments is that people get so weird talking about money, about how much they earn or how much money they have. Or, or uh, if you work at a job, you know, that there's, it's a big no-no to tell somebody else uh, how much you're making. But the truth is, is I think that it's done a couple of things. One, it's made it where we can't talk about money without feeling awkward, period. We don't want to, to, to make somebody feel bad maybe if we make a lot of money or we don't want to hear somebody else makes a lot of money when we think we work harder than them. But we talked about that last week, right? We're supposed to rejoice with those who are doing well, right? So we should be encouraged if somebody's doing better than us and rejoice with them and be grateful. But the reality is, is that we can't talk about money 
We can't talk about it because we get weird. And then we don't teach our kids about it. We don't ever teach our kids how to, to balance a budget because heaven forbid they might know how much you make if you show them what your budget looks like. Or maybe you don't have a budget because nobody ever taught you how to deal with a budget. I think it's silly that we don't talk about money. In the workplaces, you know that it's illegal for an employer to tell you that you can't tell your coworker how much you make. And the reason being is because they use that as a way to keep wages lower. They actually use it to try to pay as, as little as they want. And, and I'm of two minds about that. One, I think you should be able to talk to your coworker. So you say, wait a minute, I do the same job as so-and-so. I should be paid accordingly. But on the other hand, I understand as an employer, you're trying to make a profit. If you don't make a profit and you go out of business, it doesn't, those two people that, that had one job higher and lower, now neither of them have jobs. So there is a balance. But we should at least be able to talk about money without being, feeling weird about it, whether that be in the church or in our regular lives. But the thing is, is we're too attached to material things, especially money. And our entire lives, the reality is our entire lives revolves around making and spending money. That is the thing that you do most in life. As you go to work 40 hours a week, you do that more than anything else in life to make money so that you can spend money. But the reality is, is it to talk about this stuff. And when I encourage people to give, it doesn't have anything to do with me, but it has everything to do with them. Philippians 4, 15 through 17 says, And you Philippians yourself know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving, except you only. Even in Thessalonica, I, I sent my help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. The truth is, is that when we give, we're sowing. And we're producing fruit in our lives, fruit to our credit. So when I teach this stuff, I have to remind myself because it gets weird for me because I, I'm, I'm always conscious about how people are going to receive it. But I have to remember myself, the reason I'm teaching this is not for my benefit, but it's the benefit of those who are hearing. And I'm thankful for the credit it gives to your account. So not only will I teach it, not only does every Sunday, you'll notice that every, every Sunday when we receive the offering, Joseph and I, we always give a little short message on a scripture to teach about giving. And then at least once a year, I do a message like today about being generous and talk about our giving. So not only will I teach it, but the truth is, is that you guys should be teaching it as well. If you want to see your children growing up and not focusing on, on, on only themselves, you have to teach them to give. You have to teach them to be generous. And you say, well, well, Pastor Wayne, all of our kids are grown and they moved out. Well, you still have people in your life that you have influence over, grandkids, friends, family, maybe coworkers, or, or just people that have, have allowed you to, to speak into their lives. You can teach them these important things. But not only do you teach them, let them see you give. Let them see I'm not talking about bragging about how much you give. I'm talking about demonstrating what it looks like to be generous. But also remember that being generous doesn't just mean money. Be generous with your time, with one another, with serving in the church, with your family members. Be generous with your praise. 
one of the biggest things that you can do to help somebody is just encourage them. It's one of the things that I have to try to remember in my life. And, and it's, I think it's just human nature. You ever notice that when you, when you go online, when you have a bad experience in a restaurant, you're more, than likely, you're more likely to share your bad experience than you are if you have a good experience? We do that in life, too. When somebody does something wrong, we'll be real quick to point them out and correct on it, but we forget to praise them and encourage them. Be generous with your praise. Be generous with your encouragement. And be generous with your love. One of the things that people have a really hard time coming to grasp with, with me and Michelle, is that we're very affectionate, even in public. Many people have sought it, and, they're, and you know, they get weird about it. They can't believe that they do it. But here's the thing. I wanted to demonstrate to my kids what a loving relationship looks like. I wanted them to see what that looks like. I wanted them to see what it looked like to love and to love well. And I want you guys to see it too. So we're not afraid to be affectionate in front of people because we're trying to demonstrate what a healthy and loving marriage looks like. And we're generous with our love with one another and we want to teach others to do the same thing. Amen? So be generous with all those things in your life. And Proverbs 11, 24 through 25 says this, One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. You know, that's such an interesting thing because it doesn't make any sense. You would think if you save, you, you keep your stuff, you're going to have enough. But the reality is it doesn't, even, it doesn't work like that. And then it says in verse 25, whoever brings blessing will be enriched and one who waters will himself be watered. This is the idea of sowing and reaping. This is what it means to be generous. This is what generous generosity looks like. And the reality is, is that when we are generous, when we give freely, we open up opportunities for God to bless us in our lives. It opens up an avenue that God can pour into our lives. And this is what it looks like. You give freely, you grow all the richer. You bring blessing, you'll be enriched. The one who waters will himself be watered. The idea is, is that you do first. You give first. You be generous first. And then you will be enriched. But the opposite is also true. The one who withholds what he should give only suffers want. Stingy people have problems receiving what God wants to give them. And the truth is, is that I don't have to, to, to go very far to give you examples of this. How many rich and famous people have we heard about that have become depressed or they've committed suicide? They seem like they have everything. They have all the money. They have riches. They have wealth. They have fame. They have cars and homes. and They have everything. Yet they're not happy. Their lives are a mess. It was the whole point of the Charles Dickens novel, A Christmas Carol, was to show that, that Scrooge was miserable because he was selfish and not generous. The reality is, is that if we will be generous, God blesses us, but if we're stingy, and it may not, when I, when I say that, we, like we talk about the rich people. They, they had stuff, and stuff just kept coming in. Money just kept coming in, but it didn't do anything for them. Like I said, if you put anything else above God, you're going to be disappointed no matter how much of that thing that you get. 
I once heard a pastor tell a story about how his house got flooded with nine feet of water. You know what happens when your house fills up with nine feet of water? Everything is destroyed. Nothing survives that. It's so funny. Something that we need for life, something that we need for, to be clean and do all those things can be so destructive at the same time. But he's a pastor and his house floods like this and he didn't understand. He couldn't understand why God would let this happen to him. Anybody ever gone through that? Something bad happens to you and you begin to complain to God, God, why could you let this happen to me? But he, he couldn't understand why would God let all this stuff, I mean, he's serving, he's a pastor, and his house gets destroyed and everything in it. But what happened was is that after this happened, the generosity of others restored everything that he had and here's the thing is, when it was all said and done, he had a better understanding that everything that he lost was just stuff. And God still blessed him. God took care of him. God restored everything for him due to the generosity of others. Proverbs 19.70 says, Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the poor, and he will repay him for his deeds. The truth is, is if we will be generous, God will always make sure that we have what we need. Because the Bible says that he's watching over his word, ready to perform it. And here's something else that I think a lot of people need to get through their heads to. Not only should you be generous, you should let others be generous to you. Because here's the thing, as many of us let pride get in the way or we think, oh, so, you know, we're, we're in a situation where we might need some help, but we don't ask for help. We don't, or when somebody tries to help, we push them away and we don't let them help. But here's the thing, not only are you not getting a blessing that you should be getting, you know, you should be sowing. You, you've given freely your whole life, so sometimes you're going to be made rich or someone's going to be blessed. But when you don't let other people's invest in you, you're actually stealing their blessing from them. Because if they were allowed to sow into your life, then they would reap a harvest as well. Luke 6.38 says, Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So not only... Does the act of watering make sure that we will ourselves be watering? But the volume is important as well. It says the standard of our measure is what makes a difference. If you are a little generous, you will be a little blessed. A little will come back to you. If you are greatly generous, then much will come back to you. And here's the thing is, is, Some people get this idea in their head that because everything in life is a pendulum. I, I, everything that I see taught is a pendulum, right? We, when, when the church finally kind of rediscovered grace again, <laughs> uh, instead of this very legalistic approach to the church, somebody got a hold of grace, and the pendulum was way over here, focused on works, 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 and then the people got a hold. Wait a minute, salvation is by grace, and they were figuring it out. But all of a sudden, the pendulum swung way far the other way, and, and grace became cheap. You're like, oh, because God loves me, I can do whatever I want. He's going to forgive me. But the reality is it should be somewhere in the middle where we recognize that grace uh, is what frees us from our sins, but it also it gives us the ability to not sin. 
not only are we forgiven, but we're free. The same thing happened with this whole financial situation, the financial stuff, right? So somewhere along the line, God, people started reading God's word. And they're like, wait a minute. If you give, it'll be given to you. We're not supposed to be anxious about life. God is going to take care of us. So what happened was is, is there was this pendulum started swinging this way, and it should have stopped in the middle, but then it went too far, and all of a sudden we have this thing too far on the other side where it's this, you know, this name it and claim it, the prosperity gospel is what it's called. It's funny. Somebody asked me, do you believe in the prosperity gospel? And I said, sure. What else is there? But I didn't know what they were talking about. I just thought that meant what the scripture said, that God wants to prosper you, which I believed. But I don't think God wants everybody to be rich. Problem is, is if some of you were rich, it would just kill you. That's why so many people would win the lottery and it ruins their lives. There's the, it's got to stop in the middle and find the right balance. God wants to bless you. He wants to make sure that you have more than enough, but it's not for you. It's so that you can be more generous. That's the idea. But the reality is, is that how generous we are influences how much God will, will give us. And you can say, Pastor Wayne, do you really believe that? And I, I tell you that I do with all my heart. And I'm not telling you this stuff to pump myself up, but to, but to demonstrate that I do believe it. I've given away money. I've given away cars. I've bought guitars for people. I've given all kinds of stuff. And if, if, if it's to brag about anything, it's to brag about how generous my God is because I've never been able to outgive him. He always gives me more to give away to make sure that somebody else is blessed. The more that I give, the more comes back to me so that I can just give more and be generous more. Luke 16.10 says this, one who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. If you want to be able to give away a lot more, start giving away a little. Be faithful in a little bit and see what God does. He'll multiply these things in your life. You'll be able to do more. The truth is, is that God wants us to be generous and he's going to provide the means. My pastor said it like this. If God can get it through you, then he'll get it to you. 1 John 3.17 says, if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? As Christians, we should desire to meet the needs of those around us. That should be our desire. And I'm the first to be skeptical, skeptical of those who are begging for money, who always seem to want nothing. But the scripture says, if anyone has the world's goods, newsflash, all of you have the world's goods. If you live in America, you're doing pretty good. Even if you're not doing good in America, you're still doing really good. <clears throat> it says, if you see your brother in need and you close your heart against him, then how does God's love abide in you? I have been taken advantage of by people that said that they were in need and they needed money. And because of that, it's actually tried to drive a, a wedge of bitterness in my heart against people that are, that are, that are begging for money, that, that are in need. And the reality is that there's a lot of people out there trying to take advantage of others. And I've had multiple situations in my life where somebody has come up and asked for money. They gave me their, 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 their story about how awful it is. And I gave to them. And then the most recent one was a few years back and, and, uh, the guy came and asked for money, said he was, he was on a, a trip, his car ran out of gas, I gave him some money. And then the next week, the same guy came up to me and told me the same story, like the exact same story. And I'm like, didn't that happen to you last week? So I've been taken advantage of. But the thing is, is that we have to be really careful 
not to let that close up our hearts and to begin to think differently. The truth is, is that when somebody asks you for money, what you do, what you give is not a reflection on them and what they're going to do with it. It's a reflection on you. God is, it's one of the things that God has been working on me. And the truth is, is that I would much rather give money to somebody who doesn't need it than miss the person that does. I'm not asking you to, to be unwise with your, with your resources. It's okay to ask them what they're going to do with it. It's actually a little trick I learned from my wife. <laughs> I don't know why I never thought of it because it's so simple and it's so brilliant. When somebody asks you for money, what are you going to do with it? And it's funny because some people actually have, oh, I'm going to go get a beer. Well, then I'm not giving you money. Or if they come asking you for money, say, so what, do you need some food? Let's walk in the store. I'll buy it for you. And you'll be surprised at how many don't want you to buy them anything. So you can filter some of that out, but we want to be generous. We need to be generous because that's how God was with us. The truth is, is he sent his son to the cross knowing that most people would reject him. Hebrews 13.2 says, Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. You never know. Like I said, I would much rather give money to someone who doesn't need it than to miss the person who really did. And the truth is, is I find great joy in being generous. And it's God loving us that causes us to be generous, to actually care about those people who are in need. But John goes so far to say that if we're not willing to be generous, then he questions God's love inside of us. I didn't say this. John did. He says, look, if you see your brother in need and close your heart against them, how does God's love abide in you? If that's what you're going to do. The reality is, is if God's love is inside of you, it's going to pour out of you because 1 John 4.19, it says, we love because he first loved us. It's a natural response. In that same vein, we talk about who we should give to in Luke 30. Uh, Luke chapter 10, verses 30 through 35, it says, Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. And now by chance, a priest was going down the road and he saw him and he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him and he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. And he went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Jesus begins to share this parable to describe to us how to love our neighbor. And this was a Samaritan. The hatred between the Samaritan and the Jews was long-standing. It wasn't a minor thing. These guys really did not like each other. We're talking like the Hatfields and the McCoys or the, the, the Montagues and the Capulets. These are, this is long-standing feud. They don't like each other. But this Samaritan, he showed compassion and generosity for someone he should have culturally hated. And all the people that should have loved this man, the Levite, the priest, they just walked by and ignored him and left him on the road. Jesus had just told them to inherit life. You have to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind and love your neighbor 
as their self. And they tried to skirt around it. Like, oh, let's, let's get the, uh, uh, figure out what he actually means. So they said, Jesus, who is our neighbor? And then he tells this parable. They tried to skirt the last requirement by thinking, oh, well, maybe if our neighbor is somebody we don't like or who is unlovely or unloving, maybe that doesn't count. And then Jesus said, listen, the person that you hate the most are the ones that you should be showing love to. Even the ones that you dislike, you should still be being generous and loving them. The reality is, is that we were taught to be generous to all those who are in need. And like I said, I don't want to miss the one person that needs it because I've made up in my mind who does or doesn't. When it comes to giving, when it comes to money, I can always get more money some way, somehow. I can find a way to make it. But I could be a blessing to somebody else. I want that to be the the attitude of my heart in every situation. And church, I want that to be the attitude of your heart as well. And the reality is, is that when we live like that, God just keeps providing more so that we can be more and more generous. In 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 5, we learn about the, the, the Macedonian churches. He says, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify and beyond their means and of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this is not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Once again, you see the order of operation. You give yourself to the Lord before anybody else. But this Macedonian church, they were living uh, testimonies to this principle that we've been talking about. And the scripture here says their, result, their, their generosity was actually the result of the grace of God. And it's the grace of God is all that was accomplished by the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. This grace of the Macedonian church, it's present in you as well. And if you think that you're not a generous person, I got news for you. When you were born again, you became one. Because you were made new. And for this church, this was a sacrifice for them. They were in poverty. They had nothing, but they gave away everything. Yet in their poverty, they had joy and they had an abundance because they were willing to give. And Paul says, look, they gave according to their means and actually some of them gave even above that. Because there's one thing that I think many people don't recognize is that great generosity is not about the amount, but the intent. The widow that gave pennies the reason Jesus marveled at what she did, the reason Jesus talked about it wasn't because two pennies was going to buy anything for anybody. It was nothing. The reason it was a big deal is because it was all that she had. That's why it was great generosity. Generosity, it, it, it's about what you're able to give. It's about what you have. So somebody who makes a lot of money, they're going to be able to give more than you, but that doesn't mean they're more generous. The same thing. If somebody has a lot of free time, 
and they donate and volunteer a lot of time and you don't have all that much free time, but what you do have, you're being generous with, then, then you're just as generous as them. The reality is, is that your reward and your blessing is not based on raw volume. It's about giving according to your means. And if you want to go above and beyond your means, then Paul here is talking that up as well. He says, listen, this is amazing. Not only did they give according to their means, but they gave above and beyond. They sacrificed for themselves to ensure that others had more. And not only that, there's such a different attitude than that of today. It says that they were begging for the favor to be able to do that. That's amazing to me because you just don't see that attitude all that often. People begging to give away money. That's like in, in Exodus it says in Exodus 30, 36, 3 through 6. See, this is a situation probably every pastor hopes to happen in his lifetime. Exodus 36, 3 through 6 says, And they received from Moses all the contribution that the people of Israel had brought for doing the work of the sanctuary. And they still kept bringing him freewill offerings every morning so that all the craftsmen were doing every sort of task in the sanctuary came, each from the task that he was doing, and said to Moses, the people bring much more than enough for doing the work that the Lord has commanded us to do. So Moses gave command, and word was proclaimed throughout the camp, let no man or woman do anything more for the contribution for the sanctuary. And so the people were restrained from bringing. I've never seen that happen. Can you imagine if we all had that attitude where we were begging to be a part of it? Giving according to our means and even sometimes above. Not so that this church can do well. Because God's going to take care of us one way or the other. God has always provided all throughout our journey as a church. But what about the blessing that it brings to you? And this church here says, look, this church was concerned with giving themselves to the Lord. And what that looked like was them being generous with the apostles. Amen? In Matthew 6, 1-4, through 4, we are given a warning about giving though. It says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to, to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets. And they may be praised by others. And truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So that your giving may be in secret and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. A word of caution is that your motive behind your giving matters. If you've been with us in the church for a long time, you've heard me say it over and over. We don't give out of a sense of duty or compulsion. I pray that none of you up here are giving because I, because because the pastor says you should give. We don't do it because we have some sense of duty, and I certainly don't want to compel anybody to do it. But we do it as an attitude of worship. It's a response to the love that He has given us. Being generous is not about getting you into heaven. Being generous is not about promotion in the kingdom of heaven. Being generous is not about receiving. It's not some sort of holy lottery or holy investment plan. 
That's not the reason for giving. Now, some of those things are true. When you give, the Bible says that when you water yourself, you yourself will be watered. But the motive is what's important. We don't give so that we can get. We give because he gave. And he just keeps the wheel spinning so that we can continue to give and respond to what he has done. Scripture says that if you give and you tell everybody about it, your reward is that everybody knows. And you say, well, Pastor Wayne, didn't you just say we should let other people see us give? It's the motive that matters, the intent that matters. If you're being generous and letting people see it because you want to demonstrate it to your kids what that looks like, then that's a good thing. If you're doing it so you can somehow look better in front of your kids, then that's the wrong thing. The motive counts. We give because he gave. We're generous because he is generous. And if you're being generous for a pat on the back, then that's your reward. But if you're being generous in response to his love and his generosity, then you will be rewarded. Amen. And then we'll go ahead and finish up here this morning. In Matthew 25, 31 through 40, it says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. And before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. And the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger or welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. All of these things that he's describing, clothing, feeding, giving water, visiting, that's the result of being generous. And when we are generous... We're not just doing it to the people we're being generous to, but we're doing it to him. So church, I encourage you. Let's make that continue to be a culture of this church. And I just want to say I am so blessed. You know, this is one of those things I talked about teaching and feeling awkward. The truth is, is that this church is a very generous church. We have more resources in a church our size than sometimes churches twice our size. So I'm not here this morning. I'm not trying to chastise anybody. I'm not trying to say that anybody's not pulling their weight. It's one of those things that we, I want to make sure we're stirred up by way of reminder. And I want to say thank you. You guys are generous. And you guys have been a blessing to me and to this body. And I am grateful for that. But I want to make sure we continue to make that a part of our culture here at this church. And that it doesn't change. Amen. The truth is, is that we're generous because he was generous first. And I want to maintain that attitude in my life. And I would encourage all of you to continue on in that attitude in yours. Amen.